go. Hey, welcome back to another dispatch from Holly McKay. We're going back to Iraq today. In particular, we're going to Babylon. Yes, the mythical city itself. How you doing, Holly? And what did you find out when you went there? Right. So, yeah, Babylon is you know, obviously a very story place and um, somewhere that I've always wanted to visit in my many trips to Iraq. And this was sort of the first opportunity that I was able to get there. So it is about 50 miles south of Baghdad, um, also referred to as Babel. And it's it really is a, a mythical place. It's somewhere that's featured in the Bible as well as in the Quran. Um, you know, they say that the Garden of Eden existed there. And it's really where law in the world began the, the first uh, civil code was written um, beneath these intricately stone arches it's where alexander the great died um, presumably of malaria so it's just it has um, you know such an incredible sort of history there um, but what i what you sort of find when you go there is how much how much is still standing which is wonderful but how much has really been looted and destroyed and this brings up a very pivotal question because obviously Iraq really is the cradle of civilization and and it's where so much of life as we know it really began and really over the years um, whether it's from endless wars whether it's from uh, just um, you know poor uh, management and, and poor reconstruction of these places um, so much has been taken and then obviously ISIS in Mosul and, and that they tell me that, you know, the archaeology experts in Iraq tell me that 80% of the, the artifacts in Mosul were, um, were destroyed by, by ISIS. So, you know, you sort of, it's, it's an unfathomable loss of history and then trying to piece together what has already been taken is, it's such a mammoth, um, such a mammoth, but really important undertaking. Yeah. So what it, the Iraqi government, obviously, um, for at least from a cultural standpoint, is uh, has a very big interest in preserving whatever is left and actually uh, recovering things that have been taken to other parts of the world to to bring them back to where they should be. How how intense or or um, concerted is the effort? to go do that by the Iraqi government these days. Yeah, I mean, you know what, it really is. It, it, and it's a, it's a, if you are convicted by, for, you know, taking any sort of archaeology from Iraq, you face the death penalty. And right now there's a, a British geologist who went on a tour um, to the sort of the south of Iraq and, and was sort of basically told, oh, you can kind of take something and, and, a couple of these older gentlemen sort of took tiny pieces of rock and really didn't think that they were anything and in fact declared them going out of the airport because they just really didn't think it was anything and you know and they faced the death penalty and one of them passed away while in jail and the other one um, I believe he was recently sentenced to 15 years um, behind bars and this is a man in his late 60s so it's something they do take incredibly seriously and I really think um, you know a lot of this is attributable to that, that really great time in 2003 when the US invaded Iraq and through the, you know, Saddam fled and, and threw the country really into this lawlessness. And the uh, Iraqi History Museum was just absolutely looted, every, every little bit of it uh, from top to bottom. People just kind of went in taking whatever they wanted. You know, these, 
artifacts ended up all over the world. Um, you know, unfortunately, in a lot of places, as many cases of Americans as well, um, taking artifacts from the from these places to to make money and to sell on the black market. So um, it really is a big problem. And so you really, for the past 20 years, um, these sort of very dedicated small groups of Iraqis have, have been trying to, to sort of undergo this recovery process. Um, and in some cases, there has been success. Like, in fact, the United States um, returned a lot to them last summer, a huge amount. I believe like 50,000 artifacts were returned that were, um, you know, that Customs and Border Patrol and, and other um, law enforcement in the US. And in fact, there was a big Washington museum, um, a big uh, a, a Christian museum that had all these sort of stolen artifacts were proven to be stolen. And they were slapped with a very hefty fine. And a lot of that was returned uh, to the Iraqis. So bit by bit, it really is a process. But, um, you know, was I told to these these different Iraqis they and the people that are in charge of the museum and and you know one of their biggest frustrations and and just to quote um, Wafa uh, this lovely woman that I met who sort of runs a big part of that division and she basically just said you know people locals know where a lot of the stuff that hasn't even been excavated is so they'll take it upon themselves to you know to start digging holes because they know that there are a lot of remains that uh, below it in some of the ancient empires and you know and and they sort of a lot a lot of people tend to see artifacts as as you know they're just rocks they're just stones they don't mean anything I'm hungry I'm trying to feed my family and and that's sort of their justification for looting and you know what Wafa said she really tries to do is that the archaeology she reminds them that the archaeology doesn't belong to them it doesn't belong to her it really belongs to the world and um yeah I think it's really important to do what we can to preserve these artifacts because they they are our history and and you know some of this is dating back I mean Babylon some of this is dating back 600 BC it's just it's it's unfathomable to think just what life was like then and just how long ago that was yes um uh far far longer than than people real and far deeper into the history of mankind than people realize for the for the people that see it as um money is that basically just because of desperation of us the state of the iraqi economy or is it convenient i mean this thing is as old as time and i mean in so many conflicts i've covered all over the world whether it's syria or yemen or um iraq afghanistan it's unfortunately it is a sort of ingrained in um as a way to survive as a way to make very good money very quickly um so I, I mean it does speak to desperation but it's also not an incredibly new thing so um but it's something that unfortunately you know as i said it's it you can face the death penalty if you are um convicted of of stealing these resources because iraqis do know the value of it and they do know the importance of it yeah this is that death penalty extend to um local citizens as well yes these are these are the law. local citizens that are wow. often convicted because they're the ones um you know you know that you live in a village and you were aware that in your village um there's a lot of unexcavated uh, archaeological sites and you take it upon yourself to start digging a hole and get caught you know 
you will face the death penalty. Um, it has been a long time since I think anyone has been necessarily put to death because of it, but certainly um, that is the maximum penalty that's still in the books. And, you know, if you don't get that, you certainly will get um, quite a significant um, jail sentence. Yeah. So it's a little bit like the Egyptian stealing from Pharaoh penalties. Yeah. So for, uh, on the international market, which, you know, so, so unfortunately those two people that, that thought they were, that it was okay for them to take something through the airport and turned out it was not. Uh, but clearly there is a large amount of artifacts that continue to circulate around the world, not just from Iraq, but, you know, many other historical places as well. Mm -hmm. um, how do you track all that stuff down? It's very difficult. And even, you know, when you look at even the big auction houses like Sotheby's or Christie's, even they often don't have, you know, proper documentation for a lot of the things that they're selling. Um, so it's really hard to track this black market uh, stuff. Um, but obviously one thing that I've been looking into, um, you know, with the Liberty work that I've been doing is, is blockchain. And blockchain is something that where you can really maintain immutable property records. And this can lead to proposals uh, for real estate records and for other records of property. And I think that's something where it hasn't really been tapped into, but there is a, an avenue or an application for antiquities to kind of go down this route. Um, antiquities are less regulated um, than, you know, something you buy at your local supermarket. So as you can imagine, it's, it's rife with fakes and forgeries and, and, you know, it's and trafficked antiquities are known to fund organized crime and terrorist organizations. So it's something that, you know, it, it would prove it's just from a national security point of view uh, to really give more attention to. So I think, um, you know, if you look at how the blockchain exists and, and the efforts that have been made in the past, and we've looked at legislation and uh, black market crackdowns, and it really hasn't stopped it. It's, you know, war, poverty, and these things just cause these industries to grow. So I do think um, it's certainly worth exploring the more practical alternative, um, and that's to have a really comprehensive database for antiquities. Um, and the blockchain is something that's encrypted um, and it could make items more easily verifiable to all parties involved. So if you are the Iraqi government and you are getting antiquities returned, um, you can log a lot of the information uh, quite intricately into the blockchain. And at least then going forward, um, it may start to, to kind of put a dent in where anything ends up and things can a little bit more easily be tracked and if anyone tries to tamper with um you know any of the data that that is kind of very flagrantly exposed so uh, you know certainly not a um a cure-all but i think it will um you know it's something to look at how technology can be used in this space going forward yeah well um i th i i know that the keeping the, the people do try to keep records of this stuff when they can and it is um you know and uh, it started with paper or or even stones stone tablets i think yeah days. i mean but yeah. uh but yeah definitely i mean you know with the number of artifacts that are out there uh the adoption of that kind of thing plus if you add artificial intelligence and image recognition to it you can pretty much i mean the technology is there to improve the way uh, inventories of things are, are tracked over and uh, you know I'm getting a bit nerdy but um, uh, 
uh, yeah, I can see that. And uh, it's probably a good thing for artifacts like this because they you kind of do want to have a way to create a permanent record so that if it shows up anywhere else in the world, it, you, know, you, you know it almost immediately or instantaneously because of the, the speed of the internet. That would be good. Yeah, technology is changing. Yes, it is. Well, you certainly do find interesting places to visit when you go to places. And uh, I mean, when you said you wanted to talk about Babylon, I just all kinds of things came to my head and uh, it's pretty cool. So thanks, Holly, for uh, the sharing what you learned when you visited this antique and, and, and special place in, in human history. We'll talk to you again thanks. soon. Thanks, Dennis.